Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to episode 35 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast, hashtag FOCS. As always, it's myself, Dan Moriarty, joined by Dan Gingas, a.k.a. American Dan. How you doing, Dan? Doing very well, English Dan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Very glad that Chicago summer is finally here and we can get outside and enjoy the nice weather. It's about time. I, I finally put away the winter coat. I think I'm confident. It's June. It's 90 <laughs> degrees. I think there's, no, there's going to be no more snow for a while. I also saw you celebrated with your first 5K. I did. I did. I've been committed to learning how to run because I used to joke that I only ran when someone was chasing me. So I decided to uh, challenge myself to run a 5K and I did it last weekend. So very excited. What was your time? I was not timing it. I just wanted to finish. Well, that's, that's, that's the first step, right? <laughs> I think that's actually a fantastic introduction uh, to today's guest, who is definitely on the healthier side based on some of his Facebook pictures. We are delighted today to introduce Josh March, who is the CEO and co-founder of Conversocial, uh, which is a digital care platform that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Josh, how are you doing? Hi, English Dan and American Dan. Uh, good to be here. going to be a confusing session with two British accents. <laughs> Dan, you're the uh, minority for a, for a rare, rare occasion. That's okay. I can handle it. <laughs> so, Josh, do you want to maybe just start by talking a little bit about what you guys do and um, giving for those who aren't familiar with conversation an overview of what you guys do in the industry? Of course, yeah. So, you know, as Dan said, we're a digital care platform that really built around the social mobile customer. Going back five, six years ago, we were really the first company, the first vendor who set out our stall bridging the gap between the kind of rapidly shifting worlds of social media and uh, the mobile messaging platforms, all these new channels that are coming about with the discipline of a large-scale customer service platform, right, in terms of the workflows, collaboration, uh, routing that you need for you know, dozens or potentially even hundreds of agents, as well as all the analytics, workforce management, dashboards that go with that. Going five, six years, headquartered in New York, big office in London, also an office in Denver and San Francisco, have about 250 clients worldwide. Uh, some of the biggest people like Google, Sprint, Hyatt Hotels that uh, you know, operate all over the world. And we've been very pleased to have a number of your clients on the podcast. And so we know that since we only talk to best-in-class clients, we know that they must be doing something right if they're partnering with you guys. But I'm wondering if you can back up you know, the five or six years. I mean, right now it seems like at least in my observation, social customer care is finally getting on the radar and it's getting the attention it deserves both from the platforms and from companies. So back five, six years ago, I mean, hardly anyone was talking about it. So tell us how you sort of caught on to it early and, and what got you started. Sure. And, and yeah, when we started, I mean, social customer service was not a phrase. We used to have real uh, difficulty trying to encourage you know, journalists and people to use that phrase, which is kind of funny uh, for, from you know, today's perspective. But if we go back a little bit further, 2007, Facebook launched their application platform, which allowed third parties to develop applications, campaigns, all different kinds of things on the Facebook platform. I thought this was a really exciting opportunity for brands to engage with customers in a way that they'd never had before. 
And I started really getting into that space, actually kind of set up an event for people that became an official Facebook event in London, people working on the platform, and started speaking to a lot of companies about how they could start engaging with their customers through Facebook and through different social media platforms. As that happened, the kind of really kind of in thing of the day ended up being Facebook apps. And the company that I started at the time ended up becoming uh, the kind of leading Facebook app development agency in the UK. We were one of the first ever partners for Facebook in the world. Went back in, I think, 2008 when they did their official partnership scheme. And we were the only one in the UK. So it was a kind of heady days of uh, you know, social media and Facebook apps. And everyone was super excited about it, which you know, was a great time to be around and, and built a lot of really amazing relationships, both with all the social networks, with a lot of big brands. But fundamentally, I always kind of saw Facebook apps as a bit of a fad, right? which, they, which was definitely proved out to be true. Uh, I didn't see them as really being the future of the internet. And the thing that I really believed in the most around social media was just this kind of huge change in how people were communicating with each other. It was kind of going hand in hand with this shift into mobile and shift into smartphones. And throughout this, I was going, I was always thinking, well, you know, where's the really big opportunity here to build you know, a scalable software business that I think is really sustainably valuable, you know, something that allows us to build a business over the long term and that is based on really adding value to, to our clients over time, not just being the kind of latest cool thing. And it was really that kind of thought process that led me towards Commerce Social and towards customer service. You know, we started just thinking very heavily about, well, how can we build tools that help companies just communicate with their customers through social media? As we started developing some early iterations and working with some clients on that, I ended up spending time in the contact centers of some of our very early, big kind of innovative clients, uh, people like Tesco in the UK, who were one of the first companies to really go, uh, yeah, we need to treat social as a, as a customer service channel. And as I spent time in these contact centers, I started to realize that, you know, to bridge that gap between this kind of rapidly shifting world of social and the needs of this kind of large-scale contact center environment, as I said earlier, was a really big task. And it wasn't a task that I thought would be possible to complete or to go along if you're also trying to meet all of the needs of the marketing department in terms of campaign management, advertising, all of, and, and also being kind of very rapidly shifting all the kind of latest trends, which you need to be a bit more savvy in the marketing side to kind of stay ahead of things. And uh, the more I delved into that, and the more excited I got about that opportunity to really build this kind of next generation contact center platform built for the social and mobile generation. And that's how it all started. That's a, a fascinating history, Josh. One of the things that, that Dan and I have spoken a lot about, um, and I know you and I have talked about before, is, is this interaction or intersection even of marketing and kind of service and contact teams that really comes together in this space. Mm -hmm. In the early days, five years ago, I imagine you were one of the first kind of partners that was identifying that gap and helping to bridge it. How are you typically approaching the marketing folk, trying to sell them, or are you approaching the contact folk and trying to sell them on the idea? How, how did that go down five years ago? Yeah, I mean, in the early days, go back five years ago, and almost every company that was getting into this space had a very specific social team, right? Social was this very new thing, and companies were kind of setting up these dedicated teams that usually come out of marketing or are part of marketing. And we worked with a lot of these social teams who had just been focusing on the outbound publishing side of things, were starting to respond, were starting to realize that they need to get customer service involved, and we would often work with them at that time 
and help them take social into the, into the contact center, get real customer service agents responding, and enable them to actually start resolving issues at scale. So it was definitely almost all of the early customers came through that kind of route. Today, more and more, we're selling just direct into the contact center. You know, often uh, marketing or other parts of digital are you know, involved in the process, which I think is important. But generally, the kind of team and the budget is sitting in, in the contact center today, but definitely wasn't for most companies five years ago. So Josh, is your platform meant to complement a publishing platform on the marketing side? And and if so, how do you make that pitch that you need more than one platform? Mm-hmm. So you know, fundamentally, I've always believed that social media needs to be deeply integrated into every business function and every business unit, and that it shouldn't stand alone as a separate item. You know, it needs to be deeply integrated into how you do marketing and the rest of your digital marketing efforts. It needs to be deeply integrated into how you do customer service or how you do sales, how you do research and, and you know, consumer research. And that the value of deep integration in any one of those areas, especially all of them, far outweighs trying to have a kind of social tool that does everything social but isn't deeply integrated into those business units. Because you know, when you're doing a, a marketing campaign, you're not just doing a Facebook post, right? It's a campaign that may go, you know, may touch things right from kind of offline offers and frontline staff through to TV spots, through to website, through to, through to social. The same with customer service. You know, if someone has an issue, that may be something that starts offline. It may turn into a phone call. It may turn onto Twitter. And the deeper you can have integration across those channels, the more value you're going to see. And so fundamentally, I've always believed in that. And I think you, if you look at a lot of the kind of publishing tools today, or the, you know, the real kind of best best-in-class uh, you know, tools in that direction on the marketing side, you know, they're becoming more than just social. Right? They're helping to manage the overall you know, uh, lifespan of a campaign across multiple different channels, of which social is a major part of that. You know, in, in customer service, I, I firmly believe that. I also clearly saw that the incumbent customer service vendors or the traditional kind of enterprise customer service vendors just wouldn't be able to innovate fast enough to stay up to date with social which is why I saw this really big opportunity for us to go in there and start working with big enterprise clients and helping them do customer service through social media. But I also see a big part of our future in actually expanding into the rest of the contact center. You know, we've seen that happen with you know, live chat from mobile is really now, now all about messenger and SMS, which we've, we've done. You know, we're taking the peer-to-peer side with crowds, which is our peer-to-peer support app for Twitter, and we have plans to expand those channels much further. And so I saw that as a bit of a unique opportunity but I've never really believed in this kind of all-in-one social tool, just like it doesn't really make sense to have an all-in-one email tool. You know, you have, you have an email marketing platform and you have an email customer service platform, and you know, they have such different requirements and needs. The thought of trying to have one email tool is kind of crazy for any big business today. So, Josh, you hit on a bunch of stuff that I want to follow up on, but obviously one of, one of the words that I got excited about when you talked about the, you know, the shift kind of across the contact center is messaging. Obviously, it's, it's something that I'd say in the last year has kind of really exploded on us. Can you talk a bit about what you guys have seen from your side and um, what you expect the future to be around mes- the messaging space? Definitely. Yeah, and messaging you know, is something that I really share that excitement that you have, as we've, we've discussed in the past. Uh, I've actually been kind of writing about why messaging is the future of customer service for quite a while now, like a couple of years. And it's exciting to start to see that 
come to fruition. Obviously, I think SMS is part of that, although you know, it, it still remains a kind of traditional channel in some ways. First of all, on the kind of macro level, messaging apps have just completely blown up for, from a consumer perspective. You know, they really become the dominant way that consumers interact with each other and communicate with each other, uh, whether that's you know, WhatsApp, which in much of the world has just replaced SMS, whether it's Facebook Messenger, whether it's Snapchat, whatever it is. These channels are now bigger than social networks, bigger than SMS. And if you look at the younger generation, completely dwarf things like email and phone calls as well. From a service perspective, they're really exciting in lots of ways. You know, first of all, they have full kind of live chat capabilities, right? And as a lot of businesses know, especially in the contact center, you know, if you can deliver live chat to a customer, it's highly efficient from an agent perspective. It's also a great experience, often gets a kind of better CSAT rating than any other service channel, including phone calls. But there are also challenges with web chat, you know, normal kind of traditional live chat. A, as I kind of slip there, it's, it's generally web chat, right? It's accessible in a browser or on a desktop computer. Uh, doesn't really work on mobile, which isn't very useful in today's world when everyone's on a smartphone. It's kind of instant-based. So you, know, you start a web chat, you have to say who you are. You, you're in that conversation then, but if you go away and come back later, it's kind of lost and you don't have a record of it. Whereas you know, with messaging, it's a persistent conversation between you and a brand. You, know, you can have a real-time chat with an agent, but then you can go away and come back a day later and see the history or same from the agent perspective or the brand can come back and message you a week later and ask you how it's going. So it really kind of combines the best of all of these different worlds and, of course, works seamlessly on a mobile. So I've been really excited for a bit about this for quite a while. We've already seen kind of China leading the way here in WeChat, which has become a really big service channel for a lot of brands over there. Messenger first made their kind of dip their toe into this over a year ago at F8 in 2015 when we became one of the first partners to, to build the full live chat integration. We worked obviously down with you at Hyatt and with Sprint and with Alaska Rare to get to allow them to launch live chat through Messenger. Seen some really great results in that in terms of you know, big growth. I mean, Sprint, we've got a great case study where uh, they saw actually a reduction in public complaints on Facebook, but then a much bigger rise in, in volume of, of, of uh, messages through Messenger. What's exciting now since this year's F8 is that we're able to open that out to all of our clients. And so you know, obviously from our perspective, I think we're going to see probably at least 50, maybe even more than that, clients launch live chat through Messenger this year. If you go across to all the other vendors they're working with, you know, potentially we're going to see thousands of companies be launching Messenger as a live chat channel this year. And, and I mean, that's really exciting because that starts to have an impact on consumer behavior. You know, when people realize how easy it is to open their phone, type in Hire in Messenger and start a live chat conversation, then that's going to have a big impact and we're going to start seeing you know, a very big change in behavior as a result. So can you walk us through what does that mean for a company? So i finally gotten set up on social media customer service. I'm getting this Twitter and Facebook thing down okay. And now all of a sudden, all this Messenger stuff comes out and I got to do something different. So when you are talking about integrating your clients into Facebook Messenger, what does that mean in terms of what the, the client itself now has to do differently? Sure. Well, first off, I'll say that one of the big hesitations a lot of companies have had in really promoting social as a primary service channel 
has been the very public aspect of it, right? And although a lot of, there are a lot of brands that see the huge value in that because if they're delivering a great experience, you know, they, they see value in having that public and having other customers see that. There are a lot of brands, I'd say the majority of brands, which are much more fearful of that. And so the great thing about Messenger, and you can also now do this to an extent with Twitter DMs, is that you can you know, have a message us button and really promote this as a one-on-one -on -one private channel. So I think the first thing is that it enables companies to do that. So I think we're going to see a lot more businesses starting to promote this as a channel. Sprint, really great example of this. If you go to their Contact Us page on their website or in their app, now the kind of primary first button there is Message Us, which is pretty cool. Now that's one thing. The other thing that companies obviously need to think about is around resourcing, right? I mean, this has full live chat capabilities, but... In order to deliver those, you also need to think about, you know, are we going to resource this the same way as we resource web chat? You know, a lot of people in social have been talking about response times of under an hour and then under 30 minutes, and now often kind of best in class is under 15 minutes. You, know, you can manage Messenger like that you know, with an asynchronous back and forth, but if you want to have that real-time resolution, you actually might want agents picking these, these threads up in under five minutes and then keeping that conversation in their queue and, and having a real-time chat with the consumer. Uh, so that requires a little bit of a different mindset and probably a different resourcing plan in terms of how you're dealing with it. It sounds a little bit more like a web chat skill set versus a social skill set. Is that right? It can be, yeah. And actually, you know, that's one of the, uh, as these volumes keep going up and you know, we have multiple customers now who are over 100 agents just doing social, the question on a lot of their minds is, well, you know, as we keep scaling this up, as we need more and more agents, can we maintain you know, having these like possibly expensive, more highly trained agents who we trust to do a little bit, be a little bit more human and engaging and go off script and kind of tell jokes and be a little bit more quirky, which a lot of companies have found is a, a really valuable skill to have in social. You know, do we maintain that or do we need to change it a bit? And we've had a lot of, some of our customers are going, okay, you know what? We want to take off the private one-on-one -on -one messenger conversations and have like, you know, probably still slightly higher trained agents, but, but they can, you know, they're just doing kind of normal web chat essentially through messenger. But if it's a special issue or if someone's complaining publicly, we'll have a different subset of agents who are trained to deal with those public issues. So that's certainly one of the questions that's top of mind for a lot of our clients. And is there a lot of difference between the different messaging platforms or if they're certainly if they're being filtered through Converse Social, is it possible that a agent may not even know which chat platform it's coming from? Yeah, I think you know, the nice thing around messaging platforms is that you can be pretty consistent in how you're responding to customers. You know, they're all kind of private, one on one, you know, quick, relatively informal chat. And so we don't have WhatsApp yet because they haven't released their APIs, but we will as soon as they do. But whether it's Messenger, whether it's SMS, whether it's uh, whether it be WhatsApp, I think you can deal with them in the same way. You, certainly, when which isn't the case when it comes to a lot of the public issues. You know, if you're dealing with issues publicly on Twitter and Facebook, for example, you know they have a lot of nuances in in the differences between posts, comments, and replies on Facebook. Or you know, you need to have a lot of knowledge around you know, hashtags and the general norms and you know, the way that you thread meant, you know, app replies together or have multiple people in a conversation on Twitter. So the public aspects of, the, of social definitely require 
more specialization than, than the private channels do. I'm curious, Josh, to push on messaging a little bit further. You, you say, you know, we're looking at potentially you know, thousands of people using this or brands using this as live chat this year. I'm still shocked at how many big brands I occasionally try and talk to on Messenger and I'm not getting a response ever. Um, I'm not getting a response same day from, from I'd say, more than half the ones I've yep. tried. How are your conversations going with big brands about this? Like on the whole, are, are brands adopting it? Are they nervous? Is there a reason why this hasn't just been added as, a, as another channel in a way that, that I would have expected it to have been adopted? Sure. So I think there's a big location aspect to this. You know, we obviously operate globally. We have a lot of major customers in the US, also a lot in UK and Europe, and then you know, across South America, Middle East, you know, Asia Pac as well. And so we see a lot of the regional differences. You know, the fact is that in the US, kind of social customer service in general really means Twitter. And you know, Twitter is kind of synonymous with customer service. You know, any brand that's serious about kind of social service in any way is going to be very heavily on Twitter. But there are a lot of brands in the US that, or even though they're investing in social care over Twitter, kind of ignore Facebook. You know, it might be there, the, the marketing team might be doing stuff on it, but they'll, maybe they moderate the public page, but otherwise they just don't really think about it as a service channel in the same way. Internationally, it's a very different picture. Partly that's just because of the sheer scale of Facebook especially internationally compared to Twitter. And so if you go into Europe, you go into Asia Pac, you go into you know, South America, you know, suddenly these are countries where Twitter is far, far smaller and pretty much all of the social care happening is happening through Facebook. And then brands are kind of all over it. You do have some kind of regional divergence. There's divergence depending on the type of company and which demographics they sell to in the US. But I think that that's probably the biggest case. You know, there's also the fact that although Facebook... I have you know, specifically built a lot of you know, live chat functionality in Messenger, you know, and they see that it's great for customer service to be a part of that. It's not really their core focus. You know, I think Twitter have come out and said, you know, we view uh, customer service as a real strategic priority for us, and they're investing heavily in a lot of very specific service functionality, whereas you know, Facebook, I think, you know, great that customer service are on there, great that they can use all the kind of messaging, live chat functionality, but they really want brands to, to use it for you know, transactions, promotions, ways that they can uh, monetize more directly in the same way they monetize the rest of Facebook. And so they don't, they're not quite promoting the service use case, even to consumers, as heavily as I think Twitter are. Yeah, which, which brings us nicely onto, onto maybe the last question I'll ask you on messaging. I'll, I'll leave it open for Dan if he wants mm. another one. Bots, transactions, uh, is, is it going to happen? Are we dreaming? What do you think? Uh, um, just a quick question then. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 30 seconds or less. 30 seconds or less. So, okay, I, I mean, a number of thoughts towards this. First of all, I think there is a general kind of design direction for applications, business applications on mobile, where we are moving away from having your big self-contained business applications that are rarely downloaded and rarely used by consumers other than your kind of most hardcore fans and into delivering interactive functionality um, through both messaging layers and also notification layers. Uh, you obviously started to see that with the messenger announcements where you can start to build a kind of transactional layer and more interactive functionality inside messenger. We've actually just seen you know, this week Apple release APIs for iMessages so you can start to 
build applets and functionality inside iMessages. Uh, also, so that you can start to deliver more interactive functionality through notifications. This is a general design direction, which I think we're only going to see is going to get stronger and stronger. And so we're definitely going to see significantly more businesses delivering this kind of functionality, whether that's buying stuff, booking stuff, checking your balance, you know, checking in. All these kind of different things are going to start happening inside messaging and notifications. Does that mean that is slightly different from a bot in the sense of a kind of conversational bot, right? And so are we going to see these kind of bots where you're asking a bot to do something and it's doing it? Maybe, maybe not. I think that makes sense in some cases. Are we going to see companies delivering interactive functionality, including the ability to buy stuff through messaging apps? I think 100%. In terms of where kind of AI fits into that, you know, there's been a lot of hype recently, over the last kind of month or two especially, uh, around AI and bots, almost all driven by you know, the big platforms making announcements as opposed to actual kind of consumer usage or even any real change in the underlying technology. You know, AI, machine learning, deep learning keeps getting better every year. We are not at the stage yet where you can have like a really comprehensive chatbot that would work for customer service. I think you can have bots that work in very narrow use cases, more towards kind of transactions as I've described. And I think I'm actually pretty excited by the potential for AI to help add value in contact center platforms, you know, supporting agents, help making their lives easier and increasing their efficiency. But we're away from having real chatbots that are going to be effective for customer service probably by at least a, a couple of years. Yeah, so that introduces uh, one dichotomy I actually wanted to talk to you about, two of them. So I'll start with that one because that's where you ended is this idea of bots is interesting to me but a little bit scary because I think everything that we've learned about social care suggests that we want to be personalized and we want to be, you know, human to human and and one to one, etc. And bots seem to go in a different direction. It's not that you can't also be personalized, but it's kind of like how there's a lot of social media automation tools and some of them are great because they save time and they perform functions that are just sort of busy work and then some of them are horrible and they fill up your your DMs on Twitter with auto DMs that you know you know nobody's behind. And so that's my fear is that this bot thing has the chance, you know, the robots have a chance to take over the world and kind of reverse the progress that we've made on a really strong personalized public customer service. And so I'm just wondering about your thoughts on that and whether this ends up a positive or negative or we just don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously a big you know, subject with, that I've spoken about with lots of our major clients. We recently had our customer advisory boards, one out in, in San Francisco, which included Hyatt, also included Google, Blizzard, Alaska Air. We did one in London, which has lots of the biggest retailers over there like Tesco and Waitrose, even McDonald's in the UK, a number of other clients. And we kind of raised this question of like, you know, of bots and bots for customer service. And in general, the kind of resounding opinion from all these big businesses was that they don't really see the value in trying to build chatbots for customer service. That many of them had tried this in the past with, you know, on chat and found that the customer experience was negative, you know, it wasn't a great customer experience. And so customers would end up phoning or doing something else instead. And you know, so many businesses we work with 
are really trying to go under a kind of digital transformation where they want to move service volumes away from phone calls, which are often really expensive and sometimes a bad customer experience, into digital messaging channels where they can be cheaper and a better experience for customers. And it's already much cheaper to, you know, to chat with a customer than it is to, raise, to have a phone call. And so why give them a potentially bad chat experience through a bot that means that they don't get help and then they phone and they're annoyed anyway and you end up spending a lot more money and having an unhappy customer. Whereas if you can just chat to an agent, it's going to be cheaper and better. And that seems to be the kind of general opinion of a lot of the big businesses we were dealing with. Uh, and I think you know, when it comes to, to social, you're completely right. You know, a lot of people turn to social because they're kind of fed up of the kind of computer says no attitude or kind of big complex IVRs or bad experience they're getting through these other, other, the other channels and they kind of wanted to connect with brands in a more human, engaging way. And I think that's really, really important that brands don't forget that, uh, you know, especially if you're going through what, what I've just described with the rise of messaging where you're kind of you know, trying to shift volumes away from maybe the public complaints and ranting and into just more private one-on-one resolution. You've got to remember that if you don't deliver what the customer wants, they're only a click away from you know, ranting about it, tweeting about it publicly, or phoning you and, you know, and increasing your expense. And so it's really got to be done well. Now, on the flip side, if you do do it well and you do do it correctly, and maybe you use bots selectively to make customers' lives easier, to do specific transactions where you can speed it up, it's very easy and clear for them of what they're doing, and they know that if they need any help, they can speak to a human agent very, very quickly. So you're not trying to kind of muddy the waters and pretend that a bot's a human or a human's a bot or anything like that, but you're just saying, hey, you want to make a booking, you can do that here very easily, uh, you want to order flowers or whatever it is. That kind of route can you know, save, potentially save some of your agent's time so that they can actually invest more into building relationships and dealing with issues in a more human way when it does need a human agent. And I think the same could be used for kind of AI more generally uh, in agent platforms. You know, if you're using AI to prioritize and route content correctly, if you're using AI to make your agents' lives easier by finding relevant information and links that they need to share or they need to send out, then again, you can actually free up your agent's time to deal with real issues in a more human and engaging way. And I think that's the key, right? It's how can you use technology as a tool to make your, your, the light, your customers' lives and your agents' lives better, but still deliver that kind of humanity at scale and make sure it doesn't get in the way and become just another kind of clunky IVR system that, that your customers are going to hate and end up not using. I think that's very well said. And I, that is, you kind of hit on my fear there is that, you know, all of a sudden social becomes yet another IVR. And uh, so I, I think that's, you make some great points there. I wanted to talk about the other dichotomy, which is very related. You've talked a lot about this public versus private. And, and yes, I think brands want to take most conversations private. Consumers, I think, in some ways enjoy the uh, public banter with brands, positive or negative uh, comments. But one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, Facebook has been pushing uh, Messenger hard as a customer service platform. And so that is, we'll call that uh, private. Twitter, on the other hand, I think is is pushing a little bit more on the public side. And a blog post that I did just a couple days ago was talking about their uh, announcement on the um, changes to the uh, character definitions most people were talking about how now we can include you know videos and stuff in and photos and not have the uh, character count 
added to the 140. What was really missed there was a, another change that they're making that is huge for customer service, which is that tweets that start with an at handle are now going to be public. And so it takes away that crutch that brands have, or that uh, consumers have used for a long time to put a period in front of an at handle to make it public. And the first thing I thought of is that, I mean, almost every customer service uh, comment or every certainly every complaint that I've seen usually starts with a, an at handle. So now you've got, in Twitter, you've got comments that used to be relatively private because they were only viewed by a small population. They're now going to be viewed publicly. And I think that's intentional on, on Twitter's part. So just interested in your thoughts on, do you think that the platforms are going in different directions in that way? And or, you know, what are you advising your clients in terms of how to deal with now these tweets that will be public? Yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier, I think Twitter really recognized the importance of customer service as a, as a use case that it's you know, one of the most important use cases for consumers and for brands on the platform. And oh, yes, they did make this change, which I'll get to in a second, which I think is actually, good, as you say, is really powerful and is going to massively increase the kind of shame publicity when um, a consumer complains to a company or when they compliment them, of course, as well. But at the same time, Twitter have also been investing in the DM platform, right? They've uh, they moved the character limits so you can use DMs much more as a kind of long-form chat platform for dealing with issues. Uh, they introduced the click-to-DM button so it's much easier to take a conversation private from public. You know, they've invested in features like the CSAT surveys, MPS surveys that are over DM. So I think that they've got this kind of you know, two-pronged approach where, on the one hand, they're improving the private element of Twitter as a resolution channel. And on the flip side, they're also increasing the visibility of the public side of, of customer service to really push companies, I think, to take it more seriously and know that the companies are going to have to you know, respond and resolve to issues much faster than they have before if they want to stay on top of it. So I think it's, I think it's actually a great, a great approach by them in kind of recognizing the importance of customer service, both to consumers and brands, and kind of making a push on both sides. I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Facebook... I think it's great that they recognize that you know, Messenger is one of the leading messaging platforms. It's going to be really powerful for service and opening it up for brands in that way. But I, I don't think they view service as one of their kind of strategic priorities versus you know, things like the bots and transactions and promotions that they want brands to be doing through it. Josh, I think there's another side of your guys' platform that we've touched on briefly, and I'd say the industry as a whole is, is touching on it briefly compared to some of the automation and bots and messaging platform talk. But it's the the peer to peer side, uh, whether it's you know customers to customers or you know really unleashing an army of employees through their personal handles. You guys call it crowds. There's a few other solutions out there. What do you think the future is for that space? So this is a really exciting space, partly just because it's so new and so early, right? I mean, I say so new and so early, but of course there have been online communities of people helping each other for you know, probably you know, decades, really, right? And many companies over the last decade have invested really heavily in building these amazing groups of, of supporters, of brand advocates, experts, who spend a lot of time, often on kind of traditional web forums, answering the questions that other customers provide. That community is immensely valuable. But unfortunately, today, for most companies, they're kind of stuck on these forums, which uh, often aren't that easy to use from a consumer perspective. 
and you know we've seen this huge rise of you know when people are frustrated or have an issue they're just going and tweeting about it instead and so we really set out to go okay well how can we help take uh, these communities which are so powerful and kind of unleash them into into the social mobile world something that we did first with google and it was kind of experimental in, in many ways we're like yeah this is, we thought this is a really exciting opportunity but no one else had, had done this in a structured way of taking their community of, of who are doing this peer-to-peer support and enabling it on Twitter. When we first started it, the very first MVP was actually just getting some of these experts onto the core conversational platform and going, well, let's test it out. And it kind of worked pretty well. And we're like, oh, this is really interesting. You know, these experts are able to you know, respond to these questions from their own personal Twitter handles. It's pretty exciting, but we realized that there was no way that we could really enable it at scale with an agent platform. So we had to, we actually built a kind of consumer expert facing application for mobile and desktop that you can give to your experts. And it's been really amazing to see that, uh, you know, that become an official program at Google with, with help on social and then launched it with Blizzard. Again, has become really successful with thousands of, of gamers helping, answering questions. Uh, we've just signed up one of the biggest uh, telcos in the US after a successful pilot as well. So we're still very early on in this, but already today I've got thousands of people using it. And it's actually really exciting to see, especially because of the way that this peer-to-peer support starts to happen. You know, on forums, you know, people will post a question, an expert will respond, and then that's kind of the end of the conversation. And for the experts, it can be kind of disheartening. They don't really know, you know has that helped, has it not helped, what happens. Whereas on Twitter, it's a much more engaging, rapid dialogue. And so you see a lot of these conversations going on where the experts are helping and then the consumer is like retweeting them, liking it, getting back to them about how amazed they are that this other peer, not the brand, but just another peer is, is helping them out. And so it's, a lot of the experts really, really love that. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those communities that exist elsewhere on the web start to come into social because of that. And so you know, we can't claim to really be doing something new in terms of the community, but I think it's awesome to be taking that community into uh, what's this new medium and kind of enabling it to happen at social scale and social speed as well, which I think is very different. Josh, what role do you see brands playing? You know, given, as you say, it, the, the relationship there is kind of expert to expert, kind of mm. expert to consumer. What's, what's a brand's role? Well, in the end, the, you know, these experts are brand or product experts and if as a brand you want to enable this, you, you really have to invest and nurture into that community. And so the companies that really do this best really spend a lot of time, effort, and money into building those communities, throwing real-world events where they'll, they'll invite them over, giving those experts free products, giving those experts access to the product teams, spending time speaking to them, answering their questions, really superpowering those experts so that those experts you feel a connection with the company, have an affinity with the products, you know, are up to date with all the latest info and kind of superpowering them to go and essentially solve all these issues for you, even though they're, they're not being paid as an employee. And, and so you know, brands have to become uh, really strong kind of community managers and community creators around this. So Josh, uh, just quickly wrapping up, if we sat down and talked with you exactly a year from now, what do you think would be different from today? So I think that we'll have kind of gone through a lot of the kind of bot 
yeah, hype and then into the trough of disillusionment and then out into more real world applications. So I think there'll be a much wider use of AI technology and bots in, in both for kind of messaging in general, but also in customer service. I think that's going to start to play a much more important role and will keep going over time. You know, from our perspective, as we expand the channels we do, I expect us to become much more of a kind of wider multi-channel vendor. We've already seen that with the launch of SMS, just launched Google Play as well. And that's something that our, our customers are really asking for. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see that. And I think with the rise of uh, this kind of much more private messaging channel, I think we're going to see a lot more brands start to promote messaging as one of their primary service channels. You know, so many brands love the value they get out of web chat, haven't been able to transition that to mobile. And I think finally now they can do that. And so I think we're going to see a lot of brands putting messaging kind of front and center from a service perspective, which is going to be pretty exciting. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. And Josh, thank you so much for jumping on and spending the time talking to Dan and I. I know we've been trying to get this scheduled for a while. Yeah, thanks, right. Josh. I know I learned a lot, so thanks for the time. Awesome. Cheers, cool. And with that, guys, we'll wrap up episode 35 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. Josh, thanks for joining us. Dan, pleasure as always. And to everyone who listened, thank you very much. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS. And follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.